0: And welcome inside Bengals Barn, episode number one. I am your host, Chris Bengal. In episode number one, we've got a lot to get to. There's a ton of hockey news that occurred on Tuesday, and we're going to hit all the major talking points. We're going to break it down, and we're going to make sure you know about everything that went down on a Tuesday as we get closer and closer to the regular season. Training camp's about to open up. Preseason hockey, you know, only days away, which is absolutely exciting. I myself can't wait to have the puck dropped on the first preseason games. So let's dive right into it. Not Let's not waste any more time. First bit of news, huge news in the hockey world yesterday. Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche their franchise player, who was set to be a free agent at the end of this upcoming season, finally signs an eight-year contract extension, $100.8 million. It's going to be a $12.6 million cap hit per season, which now makes him the highest-paid player in the entire NHL. Uh, that surpasses Connor McDavid, who was pre- had previously been the highest-paid player in the NHL of the Edmonton Oilers, um, McDavid back in 2017 signed a 8-year, 100 million dollar extension. So this McKinnon deal is just a bit north of, north of that and so it puts him as the highest paid player. So right now, if you're looking at the you know, the couple highest paid players in the league, you've got McKinnon with a 12.6 million dollar cap hit, you've got McDavid, um, you've got Artemi Panarin with the Rangers at 11.6. Austin Matthews of the Leafs at uh, 11.6 as well. And then Eric Carlson at 11.5. Obviously, one of those is not like the other. Uh, Eric Carlson is obviously not the player that he was when he signed that deal with the San Jose Sharks. But I digress. Um, So this is huge, obviously. Um, McKinnon had said last week during the NHL, NHL Players Association media tour that was out in the Las Vegas area that the two sides were pretty close to a deal and he was very optimistic that something was going to get done. He wanted something to get done. Um, McKinnon and his agent wanted a deal done before the season. Didn't want it to be a distraction, which it seems like that's the route that a lot of players are taking, you know, in various sports you've seen Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens do it uh, in the NFL. Um, you know, just kind of break off those contract talks once the season starts because they want to focus on, you know, focus on their craft and focus on the season, which, you know, is completely understandable, obviously. Um, so this deal obviously got done. And, you know, when you're looking at it, the Avalanche, obviously, they knew that something had to get done here, you know, in these next couple weeks before the season started, because mckinnon's deal was up at the end of the year you weren't going to go into the season with you know your franchise cornerstone that just helped you win your first stanley cup in over 20 years you weren't going to let him just walk out the door um at the end of the year so obviously you know you want to get something done and you know they've made all the right moves they've obviously had to make concessions in some spots um you know Nassim Kadri had to walk in free agency, ended up signing with the Calgary Flames. Uh, goaltender Darcy Kemper uh, ended up signing with the Washington Capitals. They, you know, you can't sign everybody. That's just, you know, the way it is. And then the Avs also had to sign the, uh, a few guys. They signed Valari. Nishukin, an eight-year, forty-nine million dollar extension earlier in the offseason, as well as Arturi uh, Artori Lekinen, a five-year, twenty-two and a half million dollar extension, who was, you know, came up huge with a couple game-winning goals throughout the Stanley Cup Finals. So, you know, um, and then just one year prior, they had signed Kale McCarr to a six-year extension. Um, so Obviously, the Avalanche are paying these guys that are cornerstones of their franchise. But McKinnon was the biggest piece. If you, you know, if you were gonna let McKinnon walk, obviously you're not gonna let Kadri walk as well. Um, so you knew that this was gonna get done eventually. It was only a matter of time. And with the whispers that it was getting close, even from McKinnon himself, you just felt that. You know, it was only a matter of time, and it was—it was good to see it get done for both sides. I think it almost seems—I don't want to say it's under that McKinnon is still underpaid, but there's there's honestly a case for that. I mean, this guy is electric on the ice. There's no other way to put it. I mean, you're talking about a guy that he's been a Hart Trophy finalist the last two out of the last three seasons. Throughout the Stanley Cup Finals last, or the Stanley Cup Playoffs rather, had 24 points. He was huge down the stretch. Um, he's a guy that just, when he gets in the open ice with a head of steam, there's few players that are better. He just, he's just such an effective playmaker. Put the puck in the net. Put the puck on a teammate's stick. He just, he's just phenomenal. Um, you know, had 88 points in a regular season last year. Was um, <clears> in, <throat> you know. Three of the last five years, he's surpassed the 90-point plateau. So, you know, he's phenomenal. And, you know, circling back to the to the playoffs last year, I mean, McKinnon wins the con Smythe if Kale McCarr doesn't go absolutely crazy. I mean, there's no bones about it. So, um, you know, McKinnon probably still had a case. McCarr was probably a little better and probably more, you know, maybe a bit more essential to... Colorado winning the cup but I mean you really can't wait that because McKinnon was was phenomenal as well and you know he's one of the backbones of that team and it's it's obvious that they're willing to make him the highest paid player in hockey and it's it's truly well deserved and I just I'm excited to see see the Avalanche defend the Stanley Cup this year you know it's it's a team that's maybe not quite as strong, um, you know, with, say what you want about Darcy Kemper, but, you know, um, they're going with, uh, you know, Alexander Georgiev, bringing him over from the New York Rangers. We'll see how that goes. His tenure was kind of up and down in New York. Um, See what he brings to the table Um, and say what, like I said, say what you want about Darcy Kemper, but I mean, he was a solid veteran goaltender and, you know, he might be missed, but, Colorado also has a tremendous amount of firepower. So the, they shouldn't suffer in the goals department. And, you know, they've gotten a lot of their major forward pieces back, which was huge. So, you know, I think in defending the Stanley Cup, it's they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with again next season. I don't think there's, you know, any any doubt about that. Moving on, apparently Tuesday was Retirement Day in the NHL. We had three high-profile defensemen retire from the sport on Tuesday. Uh, first, we'll get to the biggest one, the one that carries the most weight for me, and it's got to be Zdeno Chara. Chara announces retirement on Tuesday. Uh, Bruins held a press conference with him in which he signed... Uh, One-day contract so he re- he could retire as a Bruin, which obviously is no surprise. That's where he spent 14 of his 24 seasons. It's a team where he had the most success. You know, he inked a big contract there in 2006 and ultimately ended up winning a Stanley Cup in Boston. So, obviously, one of the more heralded Bruins in the franchise's history. So, obviously, he was going to get that treatment. Um so, Chara was huge for that franchise. Obviously, a big physical defenseman, six foot nine, one of the more physically imposing that we've ever seen. You know, throughout his NHL career, he logged uh, one thousand six hundred eighty games, which are the most by a defenseman in league history. Um, he also ranks sixth in Bruins history in games played with one thousand twenty three, and as a Bruin. Uh, 481 points during his time there. 400 or 148 goals, 333 assists. Um, as far as the the accolades, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. You've got 2009 Norris Trophy winner. Uh, during that season, he had a career high 19 goals for the Bruins. Uh, appeared in six All Star games. He also became the first Bruins captain since 1972 uh, to help the team win the Stanley Cup um, and also ranks third in points by Bruins defensemen behind only Hall of Famers Ray Bork and Bobby Orr. Char had 481 points with the Bruins, while Bork had uh, 1506 and Orr had 888. Um, Char also wrapped up his After initially getting drafted by the Islanders He ended his career With the Washington Capitals And then one final season with the Islanders You know, obviously it looked like age caught Caught up with him And, you know, it's probably something Obviously that, you know He knew as well Which is probably what led To him deciding to retire But you know, the fact that he's in in the company of guys like Ray Bork and Bobby Orr in Bruins history brings segues me into my next point, which is there's no doubt that Zdeno Chara is a Hall of Famer. I mean, um, obviously, if you've been reading my content, uh, I did a piece over the summer in which I ranked every NHL team's most likely Hall of Famer. And what the chances were of them getting into the Hall of Fame. And of course, uh, when it came to the New York Islanders, I chose Dan O'Chara. And the answer was a resounding yes. I mean, you're talking about a natural-born leader. A very physical defenseman. Just a guy that can block shots. He can lay the big hit. He'll do whatever it takes to win. Um, he obviously got it done for so many years in Boston. And even in the late... Li- the later stages of his career, even for contending teams like the Capitals. And then um, the Islanders who were hoping to contend, you know, added him to the mix and, you know, we're hoping to still catch some of that, you know, hall of fame talent that he definitely has. I just think that Chara is definitely going to go down as one of the greats to ever play the blue line, play at the blue line And I don't think you can really argue that there's any doubt that he's a Hall of Famer. Like, they asked um, uh, Cam Neely at the press conference yesterday. They said, do you you see Chara in Toronto one day in the Hockey Hall of Fame? And he he said, yes. Like, you know, it's a pretty good possibility that he's going to be in there. And that's the viewpoint that I think a lot of, you know former players, current players, analysts, you know, executives, whatever. Anybody that's watched the sport of hockey ha- and has seen Zidane Chara play has has to believe that that's a man that deserves to be voted into the Hockey Hall of Fame one day. And, you know, I think, you know, it would be well-deserved. And he's had a fantastic career and one of the greatest players um, you know, to ever play the defensive position in Boston, for sure, without a doubt, in my mind. And moving on to the next retirement for Tuesday, uh, P.K. Subban also announced his retirement, uh, after 13 seasons. I uh, had a retirement post on his Twitter account in which he said that, uh, he was hanging up his skates, um, you know, throughout his NHL career, four hundred sixty-seven points, uh, one hundred fifteen goals, three hundred fifty-two assists. Uh, former second-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, which was where he had the majority of his his success. Um, you know, won the Norris Trophy while he was in Montreal. Um, You know, back in 2014, signed a eight-year, $72 million extension, which made him the highest-paid defenseman in the league at that time. Um, His 278 career points, 10th most in franchise history with the Canadians. And then in 2016, uh, the mega defenseman swap, so to speak. Uh, Subban was traded to the Nashville Predators for Shea Weber, and, you know, Subban got off to a decent start in Nashville, uh, double digit goals in each of his first two seasons. And then, you know, kind of the wheels came off after that. Um, ended up getting traded to the Devils, where he spent the final three years of his career and had just 59 total points during that time. So, did kind of tail off during the later stages of his career. Um, when you're looking at when you're looking at what Subban did over the course of his career, his trajectory his trajectory rather was pretty high. You know, he got there pretty quickly. Um, you know, not that long after he was in the league, he you know blossomed into a star defenseman, and you know, really was one of the more exciting D-men in all of hockey. And you know, it's funny that. I feel like whenever somebody retires, obviously, we always go to the Hall of Fame case, like we talked about with Chara, and it's not all about numbers, but I just, I don't know if Subban has, you know, the body of work to quite get into the Hall of Fame. His, you know, if you're just looking at his talent overall and what he was able to do on the ice, personally, if we're, you know... I'd vote him into the Hall of Fame. I think he's done enough. He's, you know, certainly been one of the better defensemen that we've seen probably in the last 10 or 15 years. But I just don't know that um, a lot of writers are going to vote him in just based on the fact that not that 13 years is a short career, but it's not a lengthy career, and the amount of time that he was elite maybe wasn't what, you know, some other guys had, maybe didn't have longevity, as much longevity as some other guys, so, um, you know, I think Subban certainly, he certainly is a case, I can't deny that, and like I said, I have no problem with him being in Toronto one day, and, you know, I'd vote him in in a second, I think, I think it speak. you know, the body works work speak, speaks for itself, and you know, he was physical, he had a tremendous shot, he was offensively gifted, you know, all of those things that you look for in a defenseman, he was complete, and he was a top four guy on, you know, the Canadians for so long, and, you know, even the Predators for that short time that he was there, and, you know, unfortunately, age just kind of, you know, caught up with him, and he just kind of broke down during his time with the Devils, um, you know, would have probably been nice to see him there a little longer. Probably would would have been beneficial. Um, you know, they do have Dougie Hamilton there, but it would have been nice to kind of see, like, have a veteran like Subban be able to bring along, like, a Simon Nemec and, you know, bring along some of these younger guys and kind of mentor them a little bit. Um, so it would have been cool to see him maybe be there a little bit longer for that reason, but, you know, Nonetheless, a tremendous career for P.K. Subban and, you know, one that I think definitely deserves to be recognized as one of the better ones that we've seen at the defensive position, you know, over the last 15, 20 years. And the final retirement that was announced on Tuesday was that of Keith Yandel, who announced his retirement after 16 seasons. Um... Yandel spent the this past season with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, back in January 2022, Yandel actually broke J- Doug Jarvis's record as he played in his 965th consecutive game. And now, Yandel currently holds the um, NHL consecutive games played streak, which stands at 989 games. However, last year on April 2nd, um, the Flyers chose to make him a healthy scratch. And, you know, prior to that point, his streak had lasted from March 2009 until March 2022. So, I mean, it's it was absolutely staggering, you know, to see somebody do it for that long. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, it's not something a lot of guys do in this day and age with, you know, across multiple sports, you know, players get, you know, load load management days is a popular term in NBA circles. Um, Guys, you know, just get nights off to rest, you know, so the seasons aren't so long and taxing on their bodies. And, you know, I think that Yandel obviously withstood the test of time. Like, I mean, played, you know, the majority of his career with, out missing any games, which is honestly seems crazy in this day and age. Now, Yandel, during his 16 years in the league, uh, tallied 619 points, which uh, broke down 103 goals, 516 assists, played for the Florida Panthers, Phoenix Coyotes, obviously the Flyers this past season, and the New York Rangers. Was originally a fourth-round pick in 2005 by the then Phoenix Coyotes, um, best year, uh, came in the 2018-19 season, ironically, later in his career. Uh, career-high 62 points with 9 goals and 53 assists uh, when he was with the Rangers. And he did it five years in which he had at least 50 points. So Yana was obviously, obviously a very offensively driven defenseman at times. Which is, you know, a lot of times does, you know, I think more nowadays, like we do get those defensemen that are more offensively gifted and are willing to, you know, jump into the rush. Not that players weren't in the past, but, um, I think it's more and more prevalent, you know, in the current era of hockey that, you know, those type of players are relevant, um, like I said, finished up his career with the Flyers last year, you know, just was on a one-year deal um, for the minimum, just had one goal and 18 assists, you know, wasn't, just was kind of a shell of what he used to be. And, you know, that's why later in the year, the Flyers made him a healthy scratch. So some of the younger players that the Flyers have, you know, could get some run late in the season because at that point, you know, really all they were playing for is, you know, how many ping pong balls they were going to have for the NHL draft lottery. But when you think of Yandel, you know, obviously the streak is at the forefront. His longevity was ridiculous. You know, he, to play that long and, you know, not miss any time due to injuries or rest or what have you is, is crazy. And, you know, It it's compared to what Cal Ripken Jr. did with the Baltimore Orioles uh, in Major League Baseball. You know he played. You know I forget what the I always forget what the exact number ended up being. Uh, But it was you know obviously over two thousand games. You know which is you know was always mind boggling to me. Um, The the longevity, just the way you have to take care of your body to play be able to play that much not suffer through injuries the way you know you have to eat right you know all these things you have to do you have to just take such great care of yourself throughout the entire year not just during the season um you know it's it's downright impressive and you know I'm obviously not going to say you could sit here and compare the two you could compare the streaks being both very impressive but obviously Keith Yandel isn't at on the same level as a Cal Ripken Jr., who was probably one of the better infielders that the game of baseball ever saw. Um, I would say that Yandel is in the Hall of Fame conversation, and it's certainly not going to surprise me if he ends up being enshrined in Toronto one day just because of the streak alone. I mean, if you set the record for consecutive games played, I mean, that means something. You you can't say that it doesn't. And he, like I said, he had, <clears throat> you know, five seasons of at least 50 points. You know, he had that 62-point season. Like, you know, he was, he was a very talented player, you know, in his prime. So you can't knock that. And I think because of what the streak represents and how long that streak was, you know, he's going to get some credit with, you know, a lot of people that have votes for the Hall of Fame. And I think, personally, I would say he's a no for me. He's had a great career, don't get me wrong. Um, You know, the last, you know, couple seasons, especially the you know, his last season, you know, stricken from the record and, you know, don't hold any weight to that. But I do think that, you know, it just wasn't flashy, like a PK Subban. Like, obviously, you know, he ended up with more points than Subban, played a couple more years, but if you're talking about a Hall of Fame player, a guy that was elite, a guy that, you know, I consider one of the greater players to ever play the game, I'm not taking Keith Yandel. I'm taking a P.K. Subban. So, for that reason, if, you know, obviously retiring at the same time, like, these guys are going to be up, um, at this, you know, eligible for enshrinement at the same time, I would think Yandel would be at the bottom of the list of these three for sure. As I said, I respect what Yandel did in his career and for the game, but I just, I don't view him as a Hall of Famer. But obviously, all three of these guys had tremendous careers, so congratulations to Zidane Chara, to P.K. Subban, and to Keith Yandel. And what they did for the sport of hockey, obviously, you know, it's well-deserved, well the accolades that they've earned, the praise that they're going to get, and the careers that they had are certainly going to be appreciated by, you know, their their peers you know the teams they played for the fan fan bases of the teams they played for and so on and so forth so you know it it can't be understated that you know these were three of the better defensemen that we've seen in recent years and you know it's always sad to see see players of this level retire so you know kudos to them and uh we I wish them well in you know the rest the next chapter of their careers and wh- whatever that brings. The last bit of news we'll get to before we get out of here is Sean Couturier, star forward of the Philadelphia Flyers, is going to miss the starting start of training camp due to an upper body injury. Uh, it's currently being diagnosed as week to week by the team right now. Uh, Couturier had back surgery back in February. Just played in 29 games last last year, had just 17 points during that time. Um, you know, Couturier had said previously he was, you know, feeling good. He was expected to be ready to go for the start of training camp. And, you know, then all of a sudden he this comes out of left field that, you know, he's week to week and he's not going to be ready to go for, for the start of camp. So obviously this is huge news you know it's been well documented the offseason that the flyers had the blunders that they've had this is a team that you know last season chose to extend defenseman uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, who you know hasn't been great in his flyers tenure or maybe in his career as a whole and then you know you go out you trade for Tony D'Angelo, pay him $5 million a season, and, you know, a couple moves like that keeps you from being able to sign a Johnny Gaudreau, who is from South Jersey, is, you know, a local guy that, by most reports, wanted to come to Philadelphia. Like, he would have, it sounded like he would have signed here. And instead, he ends up with the Columbus Blue Jackets and... You know, one of the more surprising moves that we've seen in free agency in the last couple of years. Um, you know, it seemed like a wanted to be here, and obviously the Flyers couldn't make it work. And because of money, because they gave out bad, contract to def- bad contracts to defensemen that didn't, frankly, didn't deserve them. So now with Couturier potentially. You know, not being ready for the start of camp, and I mean, you figure you're only less than a month away from the start of the season, where does that leave this team? I mean, Guterrier was going to be one of the bright spots, one of the few bright spots for what's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the worst teams in hockey. Um, You know, it's a team that obviously I watch very closely uh, my entire life, but I just... I don't see a path to success here. I mean, there are some pieces that are decent. You still have Carter Hart on uh, goal, you know, hopefully he has a strong season, but I mean, he doesn't have a great team in front of him. So I'm not real confident of that. And then if you don't have Couturier, who's one of the best two way forwards in the league, I mean, you're, this is a brutal blow to a team that, you know, frankly, couldn't afford any bad news. So, We'll see how long Katori is out. You know, maybe he comes back in a couple weeks, in a month, whatever. Does this injury hamper him if he does step back out on the ice? You know, what? what's he going to look like if he does come back? And maybe he won't come back, you know, for a couple months. Who knows? We, we just don't know that right now. Obviously, the Flyers being tight-lipped about it, which, you know, is obviously not surprising given what this injury potentially could be. Um, you know, so if you're a fan of the Flyers, you know, buckle up because it, it might be an ugly season. I I think, especially if Couture is out, I mean, that could be, you know, one at least, you know, an exciting player to watch someone, you know, if you, you know, you're going down to the game at the Wells Fargo center, that's a guy you could throw on his jersey and feel proud say, Hey, you know, I know Sean Couture is giving it his all. Like he's one of the Best players this team has, and he's, you know, one of the one of the key pieces for this franchise. But we just don't know what the future of this season is going to hold for him now with this in, this latest uh, setback with the back injury. So we'll see what you know what the coming weeks bring. Um, obviously, keep you updated with the latest on here. Um, so that's pretty much going to do it for the episode number one of Bengals barn um we also have the intro episode up um that you can listen to if you want to you know just get a little bit hear a little bit more about me my background um my writing experience and you know kind of how i became a hockey fan and what's to come in this podcast uh that is up as well um like i mentioned in there we're going to try to meet you know two to three times a week if possible and you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to, you know, talking hockey. You know, I'll try to do maybe some Q and A episodes. Uh, maybe I'll try to I'll try to get some guests down the road once we get uh, once we get going here into the season. And so, what I want to do real quick now is um, I want to plug a social account. Um, Obviously, for all my work, you could go to cbsports.com. I'll be there uh, under Chris Bengal, and I'm also I also started a TikTok account for uh, the podcast, and the username for that, it, the account name is just Bengals Barn, just uh, same as the podcast B E N G E L S B A R N um you can find me on there um right now we just have a photo of gritty as the profile photo because i mean is there anything better um but we're i have um a logo in the works that we'll be putting up on all the platforms for the podcast in the coming weeks so we'll have that um and for episode two i'll meet later this week well obviously if there's you know, whatever news we'll get to. And then um, I wanted to talk about, you know, kind of break down the offseason, some of the big moves. Like I said, obviously, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, uh, changing addresses, the Seam Kadri, um, you know, John Klingberg, former Stars defenseman moving. You know, there's a lot of guys that have um, moved around. Um, and a lot of players stay, you know, stayed put and re-signed. So, you know, kind of break down the off season, bring everything full circle. And then, um, you know, just kind of ease into previewing the season. Most teams will be reporting to training camp here in the next, uh, you know, couple days. And preseason hockey, I believe is next weekend. So we'll, you know, I am a hundred thousand percent ready for the NHL season to start And I'm excited to keep this podcast going, you know, bring you guys all the latest news, just talk hockey, give you my opinions on everything, and just, you know, I think it's going to be an absolute blast, and I just can't wait to keep it going. So thanks for tuning in, and um, this has been Bengals Barn.